Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back, because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life. How are you, Rupert? I'm Rumad, good. shit. Oh, start there. <laughs> this how is the name that he's given me, yeah, Rumad. I'm good, how are you? Uh, very good, thank you. Uh, we are delighted. That's the yeah. end of that. That's yeah, no, we catch up. Um, we are delighted to be joined by a, a legend in DJ Shadow. Hello, mate. Uh, hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm sort of waking up. I'm yeah. Here. Yeah, I'm you, good. You're, uh, we're just talking before we started recording about how shit the traffic is in London. Yeah, I mean, Famously. it is. It's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, and it's sort of... Uh, I sort of think we've got to a phase now where like the traffic's so bad you can't get angry with Londoners for being as rude as, as they are, do you know what I mean? I mean, the whole way here, because I'm staying in Shepherd's Bush, yeah. and when I first started coming to the UK in 93, um, I stayed off of Holland Park Road. So pretty much the whole way here, it was a familiar route to me, and it's just, it's atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it used to take 10 minutes tops. Mm. So where are you living now? Um, I still live in the Bay Area, California. And what's traffic like there? Um, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, but there's certain times a day I just basically don't go this direction or don't go that direction. Right, right, right. And once you suss that out, you just don't do it. Yeah. And how long are you over for? Um, I'm here till tomorrow morning, then we go to mainland Europe. And, oh, okay. And then I'm back home on Sunday. And do you like traveling or do you find it a bull like? Um, well... I mean, there's certainly nothing glamorous about it. Yeah. As a kid growing up, I thought it was going to be really glamorous. Mm. And the first, like, 5,000 times I flew, <laughs> it was a bit glamorous. Yeah. The last 20,000 times, not so glamorous. <laughs> but there is that thing when you start doing it. Like, I remember, because, like, when I started as a comic, I'd, like, I wouldn't do that much traveling, but, like, I'd get booked by a comedy club and then they put you up in a hotel for, like, two nights. And I just remember arriving at a hotel thinking, I can't believe they're fucking oh, paying sorry. for a hotel yeah, for yeah. me to just, yeah. like, do my, do my stand-up. It's amazing. And then afterwards, like, oh, fucking kill me, man. Yeah. That's the After you've had your turntable swiped and your wallet swiped yeah. and all, I mean, yeah, I've had it all. Have you had equipment taken? Yeah, yeah. What, from, from, from the room? Or, from, from the, the room. room? Yeah, and the cops said and this was in london yeah there were so two i was hoping you were gonna say mainland Europe. it was like a <laughs> no it was it was so i was staying at a place and i think in in notting hill somewhere and it was uh not an actual sort of big time hotel it was several rooms and somebody at a desk same guy there every day day in day out him and one other person and he was just dodgy the whole time as far as i could tell and, you know, one day it was gone. I'm asking him, oh, I don't know. And he just was sort of giving me this cold shoulder, like, yeah. sorry, mate, don't know. You know what I mean? And I just, I called the cops in and I'm like, look, there's exactly two people that work here. And they said, <laughs> well, we don't want to go pointing fingers, do we? Because they get this sort of, they hear my accent and they right, start, right, like, right. this isn't how we that, do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I just go, well, Citizens There's arrest. two people. We don't point fingers now. When would you? When yeah. would be an example where you would point a finger? Yeah. There has so. got to be a point at which the police point the finger at somebody, isn't there? I mean, yeah. that's the whole rationale of what they're doing, isn't it? I there mean, has to be some finger pointing, <laughs> doesn't there, in their job? I mean, it was... <laughs> they yeah, got, it was they got them, did they? No, 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 never. And not only that, the turntable wasn't even mine. I had borrowed it from my good friend at the time, and it had decals on the, the lid going back to his very first gigs. Oh, my. You know? And it was something that he, I, you know, I borrowed it out of, like, please, I need a turntable, I'm working. Um, and then, yeah, it got swiped. It was, it was terrible. 
I had a laptop stolen at a comedy gig in Brighton two years ago, and yeah. they had him on CCTV. Right. And you see him go into the tech booth and just take it. There's something horrible about watching and that. And did happen. the police say, <coughs> they, they we tried don't to want track to do him a down. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Rupert uh, made the mistake of putting on an American accent when he reported <laughs> exactly. it, which is it's totally And I pretended it was a couple of turntables as well. <laughs> By the way, the same exact thing works opposite. Like my tour managers, my managers, have always, for the most part, been British. And when we're in the States, it's the exact same thing. Oh, really? They, they mm. hear his accent and they start going, no, 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 that's not, not the way yeah. we do things here, you know. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what amazes me about that, because like with the CCTV footage, mm. I used to work at a sunglass shop at the airport and a guy's suitcase got nicked. Mm. Like when while I was serving him in the store, it's the f it's how fucking brazen I know, the yeah. thief was. When we watched the CCTV, it literally, it wasn't like... He wasn't like he, he snuck in and was like ninja his way through the room. That's the he better way to do it. He just walked straight up and like bang, mm. and he was mm. like out casually, like literally right next to mm. us. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing, to be honest. But. What is it, the heart of a thief? Is that what the, the phrase is? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you either got it or you don't. Yeah, it's amazing to have those balls, but anyway. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. You've got a, you've got a new album coming out in November, right? Yeah. Our Pathetic Age. Mm. Um, and it's like a monster of a record. Rupert and I have both listened to it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, great. man. Incredible. It's so good. And uh, you... Um, well, first of all, what's the, what's the idea behind the title of it? I'm sure you've been asked that a lot. But it's sort of... Uh, it feels like quite a bleak title, but... From what I've read, you're, you're describing it as a, it's, it's not a Blake album, is it? It's a positive album. Well, I mean, it, I think as an artist, my job is to hold a mirror up and try to interpret the world around me and what I'm seeing. Um, I think artists have always done this. Um, examples I've used recently, you know, Prince, Sign of the Times. Yeah. I don't consider Prince to be a political artist per se, but he's an empathetic person he, he you know he has his eyes open uh, there's a riot going on Sly and the Family Stone so I think there's times when you know I, I just sort of felt like I can't sit down and just pretend none of this is happening as an artist because I'm too affected by the things I see by the things I hear and just walking around in the street the things you perceive and the way people are changing and um, so to me when somebody asked, you know, uh, the very first interview I did it last week, they said, well, what was your inspiration? And I just said, honestly, just current events um, is the inspiration. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily need to make an album that's, you know, really heavy in mm. messaging and things like that. For me, my job, I just sort of feel like is, you know, hold that mirror up and just go, all right, well... I'm going to try to make sense of things in, in the outlet and the channels that I have, which is making music. And uh, it can be instrumental, it can be somber, it can be uh, happy, it can be hopeful, it can be a number of different things. But it's it's what I was feeling during the year and a half that I was making the record. And did you, did it, because like everybody's like super fucking depressed at the moment about where the world is going and stuff. Does that, did you never get to a point where you just thought creatively that sort of, stifled you, do you know what I mean? Because it feels like you, the album's inspired by what we're going through, whereas it could have had the opposite effect of just making you think, fuck it, I don't want to do anything. Well, definitely, but, I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you're probably not going to stop doing what you do, even though at times you sort of feel like, fuck, I, I don't know if I can carry on with yeah. this, you know? And it does affect your mood and things, but I... I, I I think one of the things I was dealing with was this sort of guilt, like I'm not doing enough. And, but then at a certain point you just kind of go, well, I'm an artist and I'm raising two children. I, I, I'm not necessarily going to be out there on the front lines, um, but I can do this, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm kind of looking around at all of my fellow artists and musicians kind of going, okay, this is all great. Everything's everybody's doing cool stuff, but I'd like to see a little bit more. Just sort of like let's just call it what it is. You know what I mean? To me, it is pathetic. Like a lot of the things that I see that are happening. And I've been on the earth 47 years, and you sort of see, you know, people pushing for changes, and things seem to be going in a direction, and then all of a sudden, it's like down the slide. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's it's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. First of all, the album is enormous. I mean, it's a monster of an album, right? And that is, 
Was that a, was that a deliberate decision? Did you start off thinking I'm going to make the I'm going to make loads of songs for this record, or is it just that you created so much stuff that you thought I want to put this all out? Um, at a certain point, somebody suggested. I think about five months in, somebody we were talking about the music, and I was starting to share some music with my team, and somebody kind of went, "Wouldn't it be amazing if you did a double album?" And I kind of sat there and I went, yeah, that would be amazing. But then they quickly sort of moved on to the next topic, almost as if, and I, my natural mode is to be like, oh, you think I can't fucking do it? You know what I mean? In my head. Yeah. And so I kind of took that as like a, cause I like to have goals and objectives. And, um, so in the back of my mind, as I worked, it was like, okay, I'm going to aim for that. I'm not going to be too upset if I don't make it, but that's going to be my goal. And but but you you kept this goal to yourself, so you just sort of working away thinking, "Fuck you, mate! I'm going to do a double mm. album," and then you triple. Sort of like <laughs> probably around February of this year, I started to a few people. I started saying, "Look, I'm going to go for this. Don't know if I'm going to make it, but in terms of production and planning, we need you kind of need to be aware." And it really wasn't until probably May that I thought, because so many songs were hanging in the balance, right? Though, um, depending, you know, there was one song I had given to like six different artists. They just couldn't wrap their head around it, um, and then someone nailed it. And then another song, the vocal feature, we just kept waiting, one kept waiting, kept waiting. I just kind of went, I don't think it's going to happen, and then it showed up. So a lot of things had to happen, you know, for it to actually work. And uh, the thing with, like, having half of it kind of instrumental and half of it with, with vocalists on, what was the thinking behind that? Um, I think for a while my my sentiment you know was kind of like no I, I don't want to spare you know my sort of root fans the the raw hip-hop stuff right, right because right. you know one thing that used to really fuck me off a lot was that after my first album came out it seemed like there were a lot of fans that were like okay you introduced me to hip-hop but i don't like rap very much right, yeah and i kind of sat there and i went I don't know if I like that. That's that's like the most backhanded compliment I've yeah. ever heard. So I started, you know, rap was what I always grew up loving and producing. And I made an album that was instrumental because I just wanted to do a solo record, basically. Um, but I didn't want to necessarily spare or, or, you know, kind of not include rap in my stuff after that. Um, and so my mentality for a long time was... I'm gonna. You're gonna have David Banner next to like a really fragile female folk song. <laughs> like I'm not gonna spare the rap listeners the yeah. really soft stuff, and I'm not gonna spare the people who like the more ethereal stuff, the really raw stuff. And there was something exciting about doing that for a while, but just as a DJ, it started to dawn on me that it's really difficult to sort of transition from one thing to another in a way that feels cohesive and natural. Right. Um, and I just, for the first time in a really long time on this record, I thought, okay, that's interesting to me again, to separate the two. And it just sort of felt like they'd be better for it by doing that. So is the idea that it's a cohesive album that people will listen to the whole album, or is the idea that you think that some people will like the stuff with the rappers on and some people like the instrumental stuff? I mean, or do you not even think about that? Do you just sort of... Um, I, I honestly think that most people will gravitate naturally to one disc over another, right? Um, depending on their, you know, their sort of personal taste. But I do like the idea that, you know, in the digital version, for example, it's the instrumental block that starts the record off. Because while I'm obviously proud of both, I mean, the instrumental stuff really is 100% me. Yeah. There's never a case of all right, for the sake of sort of catering to this ego or this person, I'm going to change the arrangement, do this edit, do whatever. The instrumental stuff is just pure me. And, and But let's be honest, I mean, when it comes to an album being successful and, um, you know, getting radio play or whatever, it's a lot harder to program an eight-minute sort of, <laughs> you know, progressive electronic <laughs> odyssey than it is a three-and-a-half-minute sort of banger with yeah. hooks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you choose, because you've got like uh, Ghostface, Inspector Debt, you've got Run the Jewels on there and stuff like that. How do you decide who you get onto the tracks? Because I've noticed you do, well, I might be putting this on you and it's not true, but I, I, I do notice that you seem to really go for 
MCs that have got really distinctive sort of voices and stuff. Like I know you've worked with like you did, you did horror show with Danny Brown, which is like a fucking such a banger, man. Ain't And then, like, you know, you've done something with Keep the Sneak in the past and stuff like that. Yeah. So is it is it those kind of distinctive sounds that you're drawn to? Or what is it that makes you work with certain people? I, I just really like rappers. Right. You know what I mean? And when I say that, it's funny because I'm sort of hearkening back to a conversation I had like 15 years ago with a friend who's an MC. And we were talking about different MCs and do you like this and do you like that? And he's like, you know, sometimes it's like I can get really into the complex flows but then other times it's like, motherfucker, just rap. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I tend to, I tend to like voices that just dominate. Yeah. And, um, or voices that have just character where they're just one of a kind. You know, someone like Q-Tip. There's right. only one Q-Tip. There yeah. will only ever be one Q-Tip. So I really like working with artists that on one hand are individuals, but on another hand, can really dominate a beat because the era that I really came up listening to rap, I mean, it was that sort of Run DMC transitioning into LL Cool J, like people that just dominated beats. And um, so I always liked that quality. And how do rappers respond to like, because obviously you're doing stuff, I guess the tracks that you do with them are different to anything you would have heard them doing elsewhere. Are they like? Is it difficult to get them to be open to coming onto stuff that's that's as different as what you're proposing to them? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, sometimes. But it was funny. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, and we were they were talking about is there a generational difference between you know the sort of older guard, maybe you'd say like Pharrell Munch and people like that that's on the record, and then some of the younger squad. And, I, and honestly, in terms of answering your question, um, there's conservatism on both sides. In other words, with a lot of the younger guys, if it doesn't sound like everything that's in the Rap Caviar playlist this week, or you know the last Drake single, right. then to them it's sort of suspicious, because they don't know me from Adam. Yeah, They don't know anything I've done, for the most part. So it's like, alright, there's 50 people hollering at me every day, this is a this is a layup. This is a layup. This is a layup. This is weird. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Like this, this, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Yeah. And they're at a stage in their career where they don't want to make a misstep. So really, it's actually quite conservative a mindset. Right. Um, and then with I'd say like the older guard, they're more likely to get the music. Um, but it's also this thing where, you know, I'm kind of minted now. I've got a legacy. Sure. I don't want to tarnish that legacy by making a misstep. Um, but they're more likely to also be aware of who I am and what I've contributed. So it's uh, it's it's totally down to the individual. Yeah. Do you ever get them just going, fuck, no, that's just too strange for me. I can't. Totally. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then will you try, if you really want them, will you try and convince them or do you just think, fair enough, if that's not for you, it's not for you? It depends. Right. Um, there was one person, <laughs> so there was one rapper who I would categorize as being from the older guard. Right. Um, who still, you know, is has a viable career, of course, and he heard one of the beats and he basically just said, No. I don't fuck with this, <laughs> you know. Just basically, just and got on. up and walked out. Just now, put in, that on a loop. in that instance, I'm not going to be like, "Wait, hold on, sir." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's more like, "All right, you don't fuck with it." Yeah, let's move on. Uh, it, I will say also that I really wanted a female presence on this record, right? And I don't know if you noticed, but there aren't any female yeah. MCs mm -hmm. on the record, or or singers, or anything. They just didn't want to fuck with this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. One after another, just either they sort of wouldn't respond or they'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, you know, I'm going to talk to my manager. We're going to try to figure it out and then just wouldn't get back or whatever the case. Like I spent a fair amount of time because I, I, I do want a female presence on yeah. the record. But um, that's my one, I suppose, shortcoming or disappointment right. is that I wasn't able to get that. Obviously, you, ha you, you. I mean, you talk about rappers' legacies, but you've obviously got a legacy. You've got a status. 
And with that, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much confidence that imbues you with. But if a rapper says, I don't fuck with this, do you, as Shadow, go, well, fine, it's just not for you? Or do you feel, does it hurt you a bit if somebody's like... The only thing that hurts is when I know they're wrong. In other words, <laughs> right, right. like when, you know, I can hear it so clearly. Right. And they just have to insta- they, they just have to sort of take a leap of faith a bit. And that's the only part that hurts. It isn't, I, I mean, I've been, no, at this point in my career, like if somebody says, I don't want to work with this beat, yeah. it's like, okay, you know, it doesn't, right, right, doesn't right. affect my ego or whatever, yeah. but it is tough when you're kind of like, not only, I mean, honestly, just as a fan, I'm kind of sitting there going, dude, you need this. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. this could take you somewhere yeah, yeah. that could really benefit you. But I can't say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can say it to management maybe, but, you know, as a fan, first and foremost, I'm always like, damn, dude, like you could really take a risk right now and do this and it would work. Yeah. So that's the only thing. Mark, we had Mark Ronson on and he was talking about when he works with rappers and he said like, for example, when you had Ghostface and Uwe, he sort of let Ghostface run loose with it and sort of worked with whatever he sent him back. Is that how you work, or do you, or are you a bit more involved in the in sort of what they're what they're giving you? In in the case of Ghostface specifically on this record, I mean, he he was he wanted to know. I mean, I think he's you, the people who are at a certain level and maintain a certain level through the years, which is difficult to do. I mean, he is he is freakishly consistent. Like you know, he yeah. is mm-hmm. he's absolutely nailed that, hasn't he? In terms yeah, of. and I mean, to his credit, like he wanted to know what I wanted. Right. He wasn't one of those people that's like, I'm Ghostface. I do what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, he generally, uh, genuinely was like, you know, so ex- break this down for me. Tell me, tell me what you want. And then even after he delivered it, he was texting me like. You fuck with it? You good? You know what I mean? Like, I want to know. Like, if, if you want me to redo anything, I can redo it. So, I mean, I think that speaks to his longevity. Yeah, yeah. When it rains, it pours enough that it drenched the floors. Evaporated bodies, cows created to give you more. But these snowflakes fall no size and shape. The squizzes designs that cover alpines and lakes. Whether the flurry or a drizzle. Two below weather so cold. Faint gazes won't bust a pistol. Even the ref won't blow a whistle. North Korea won't blow a missile. My frozen word to the bone bristle. Snow turns I, I do think the ones that are able to sustain i mean it's a it's a there's a lot of differences obviously in the way people behave and in the way people do what they do but um i always appreciate being given the platform you know to like because either he knows who i am or he doesn't you know what i mean and he asked me about a song from introducing so he definitely did know but um yeah not everybody does and i never assume anybody does right I can start dropping little things like, yeah, I was in the source unsigned hype back in 91. And, and a lot of people are just like, oh, okay, cool. cool. Just putting it on the table. Yeah, it's, it I, it's funny because um, the other thing is as a fan, like I, I don't care if I don't, I don't consider myself an irritating fan. Right. Like I won't just keep going on and on and on and yeah. ask all these penetrating questions if I can see that they're not into talking about it. But I have no problem just being like, yo, so this record right here, this means so much to me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And lots of times people kind of instantly put you in a box like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's kind of like, so he's a fan, so I can kind of get over a little bit. Right, right, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Or, I, or I can kind of bully him around a little he, bit. Got you, got you, got you. But I don't, I don't care. And I also know how to deal with that, too. You know yeah, I mean? I mean, I guess you've done it so much. You just sort of like, you know how to manage an artist. Well, not, you know, like in the when you're trying to get what you want out of them. Well, not only that, but there's been so many times where I've, you know, approached people that maybe don't have a sustainable career anymore. And just explain to them the depths to which I followed them. Yeah. And sometimes it really resonates with people and they get really kind of, they're grateful to have heard that. Yeah. Because maybe they feel like they didn't make the mark they wanted to make or right. something. So when people really hear um, that genuine kind of like investment in what they did and in their art, they're, they're often really chuffed about it. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As we've said, you've created yourself, you know, a legacy and you've got such an incredible status in in hip-hop and in music. But with this album, this feels like an album you're making that's going to stand the test of time. And all the records you've put out have been very much, you know, they have stood the test of time. But we have moved musically into a culture where that feels less and less the norm. And in fact, even putting out a double album in this day and age feels what like such, mean, a, yeah. it's such an against-the-grain move. Do you are you conscious of the, of the fact that it's just disposable now, isn't it? A lot of music that comes, and I know that's been the case, and people always say that, but it seems to be more so now than ever, right? Well, I also think that music has lost a lot of its cultural preeminence. I mean, um, who? It wasn't that long ago that DJs were the stars, right? Like yeah. maybe nine years ago in the sort of EDM boom mm, in the states yeah, yeah, yeah. and in Europe, you know, was, DJs were the the and now it's like gamers yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and um, people, YouTube stars and people that you know on Twitch and stuff like that those are the stars and um, so as somebody who's invested in music and the music industry you kind of look at that and go um, alright well that's that sucks <laughs> you know what I mean but it's also you know yeah it's it's um, the only th- the cliche the only thing constant is change yeah. and then it's about adapting and evolving and going okay but you know it's that weird time for me i feel like where i'm not quite 50 been at it since i was a teenager and am i the one to sort of change it i i sort of feels like maybe i shouldn't be the one to change yeah, it yeah yeah seems like maybe it should be you know somebody younger right 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 but i'm not sure who out there that's younger is perceiving it in the same way I'm perceiving it because maybe they haven't been around as long yeah so it's kind of a weird space to be in I um, I actually met LP a while ago and asked him this question anytime it was an awful horrible question and I shouldn't have asked it but I'm going to ask you <laughs> that sounds like L <laughs> <laughs> um but current state of hip-hop, it's it's massive, isn't it? But do you feel like it's not for you anymore, or do you still engage with all the stuff that's coming out now? I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, I do think that in the last few years, I kind of reached a tipping point with it, where right. I have always felt really invested in keeping up. And I, I always found it very natural and, and not an effort. When it started to feel like an effort, I kind of... I, I just kind of acknowledged it and thought about it a lot and I just went okay I don't want to sort of falsely engage in it right. or engage in it just so that if we're doing an interview and he asked me what you know my favorite track off the new whatever record yeah, yeah. is I would have an answer for right, you and right, look right. cool and not look like I've lost my edge <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I just kind of went but that's phony isn't it you know what I mean so um, and I, I see celebs do that all the time. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of went, yeah, okay, well, I don't know what it means yet. I don't know what the path is yet. But yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of sit there and go, that beat's dope. Um, but I don't really want to hear about girls and drugs yeah. at age 47. It's just right. not, it's not, that's not what's, what's feeding my brain. Yeah. Fine for kids, fine for teenagers, fine for 20, 30 whatever but um i also feel like it's okay to kind of sit back and go yeah i mean as a kid ghetto boy is great and you know i I listen to everything i listen to hardcore gangster rap stuff 
But at the age I'm at, I'm just kind of like, it's not really feeding me. Yeah. I don't still sit around watching, you know, I Dream of Genie like yes. I used to when <laughs> right, I was right. 10 years old. Yeah. Either. You know what I mean? So I think you sort of you age up intellectually and you just sort of go okay that's not meant for me yeah. the music is not meant for my age group i'm not going to shit on it because i hate people that do that yeah, yeah. Be simply because they don't understand it and i'm good with it but it's not something i need to sort of engage in all day long yeah and is that a relatively recent thing that you kind of, started yeah. to become an effort yeah kind of like maybe after coming off the road Right. A couple of years ago, I just found that when I wanted to listen to music, my mind was going elsewhere. Right, right, right. And I think also part of it is just we've been in a particular mode now for what feels like about two years too long. The sort of, you know, super slow, 808 beats, yeah. kind of trappy kind of beats, which, you know, I used to love 3-6 Mafia in the, back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like, it hasn't really moved a lot further than that. Yeah. And, yeah, sure, there's innovations. There's different, the sort of sing-song style and, the, you know, this dude doing this cool thing and adding his twist on it. But I do feel like, okay, I'm ready for something new. Yeah. So when I hear a new, the new hottest record and it's like, I'll play it for a minute. Yeah, no, no <laughs> right, that's right, not right. for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard it. I liked it four yeah. years ago, six years ago. Right, right, right. But now I'm kind of like, yeah, let's do something else. Do you, when you do DJ sets, do you play that music? If you're trying to appeal to a certain crowd, would you? Do I did that do, or yeah, yeah. But I haven't done any, um, like, sort of, I'll play everything mm. type DJ sets since about 2014. Right, right. So it's been about five years since I really needed to kind of sit down and go, okay. Well, actually, no, that's not quite true because I've done like an essential mix and stuff since. Um, where I did play a lot of, you know, new beat stuff. Mm. And I listened to a lot of, like, electronic music as well. So, uh, and that's mainly to, to feed my my thirst for, like, where are beats going? Right, right. You know what mm. I mean? Because I'm invested in rap and where that's going, but I'm also invested in, as a producer, where are the innovations occurring? Because for a while they were occurring in dubstep. And then they were occurring in, like, you know, post-dubstep kind of, proto trap stuff and then trap music and then you know this kind of ethereal more melodic stuff that i don't even know what you call it but yeah so in the same way that when i first heard drum and bass 25 years ago and my ear went to it and i was like shit i need to know about this that's the way i'm always out there looking for like okay and not as a sort of i'll jump on anything because to me it has to connect with me on a hip-hop level yeah there has to be some link um, there's plenty of electronic music I don't care for. But that is quite unusual, isn't it? Because like the truth is most people, even the most avid music listener, will find what they like and then the new stuff they're listening to, and I've been guilty of this, the new stuff I seek out is the stuff that really reminds me of the stuff that... Do you know what I mean? It's sure. like up to a certain age, you're like, I want to hear the new shit, I want to hear the new thing, mm. the innovation or whatever, and then you get frozen, basically. Do you know what I mean? So is that something... Is that just your lucky, not lucky, just different, I guess, in a way that you that you have this thing where you're constantly looking for something that sounds different to what you've heard before? I just sort of feel like regardless of what your job is, you have to be up on what's, what's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, that sort of sounds a bit like I view it as work, but genuinely when I'm sitting down to make music, I'm looking for answers out of the the puzzles that I'm in yeah. and it could be an arrangement puzzle or uh, you know shit I wish I took music theory and understood what chord to go to next or you know things like that so I listen to other music to try to get out of my whatever box I'm in Yeah, and you know the innovations in sound design and um, the way you can almost paint beats and you know it's, it's just the you know I worked with this young kid once and he goes, do you have any vocal samples? And I, I was like, mm, yeah, I have one. And he literally just took this one little up and turned it into an entire symphony. It's it just what he did with it in the span of like 10 minutes. I just kind of sat there and went, I was like, okay, um, <laughs> you just completely turned my whole paradigm upside down about what I thought I knew about making beats. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's and, fucking amazing, man. Yeah. And and so I feel like 
it's fine to sort of go, okay, um, I've been at this for a while. I'm going to put out a record. But to me, it's equally important to stay in class and yeah. learn. And, you know, let's face it, you got to connect with the younger generation to be able to do that. It's the same as like when you watch a YouTube video and there's an eight-year-old kid scratching like Kubert, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I could never do it. Like I'm, you know, I've been scratching since I was 12 years old. I can't do what that kid learned how to do in three months from yeah. watching YouTube videos. That's just the way, I, I, I the desperately, way it moves. I desperately try and convince myself that there's got to be some cheat to it. I just find it so upsetting. That, you, like, how regular do you practice? Because I, I, I try, I mean, nowhere near, yeah. like, but I used to fuck about a lot and mm. never got anywhere near mm, that. And then, no. you see, and then you see a YouTube yeah. video and then you're going, that can't be real. Mm. Please don't let it be yeah. real. Like, I can't believe there are people that are able to do that, man, <laughs> at that age. It's so upsetting. But we, when you put your records out, in interviews that I've read of you, you sort of talk about wanting to do something completely different every time almost. You're, you're trying to push it on. Yeah. And that is, in a way, you're in conflict with the people that listen to your music because they go, I like Shadow because he does this and this. And then you put your next record out and you go, I've decided to completely walk away from that and re how does that what's your attitude to that because that's quite a, you're taking a, a high risk strategy aren't you in terms of what you're doing both creatively and for your sort of fan base it's the lo it's the the long view strategy and i feel like all of the artists that i admire at some point have done things that were indulgent possibly yeah they've their career if you look at the arc in terms of if you can imagine the mainstream more or less being a linear line is that a linear line. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. No, that's what it's okay. You've re-emphasized the linear, <laughs> linearity of it. So, and then if you can imagine this, the creative process sort of being like peaks and valleys. Yeah. Occasionally, you're going to intersect with the mainstream just by virtue of the fact Got that you. you're going up and down. I mean, Miles Davis, um, uh, Neil Young, Lou Reed. Yes. I don't know whoever you want to name that's had a broad, you know, decades-long career. There's hits and there's misses. Yeah. But to me, as a fan of any of those artists, you wouldn't want them to have done it any other way because they had to go from here to get to here. They had to go from here to get to here. So yeah. it's it's a part of the process. And after a while, you just sort of hope that people go, oh, okay, five albums in, I'm starting to get what he's doing. Right, right, right. Um, and that's not to say, like, I'm doing anything you know super great or progressive or anything it's just i don't know how to do it any other way um i feel like the minute i sort of start going well i think my fans will really like it if i did x y and z yeah to me then you're sort of serving up fast food yeah you're not serving up anything with with genuine you know emotional content or um, nutritional content however you want to look at it when an album comes out because we are in a thing where an album comes out and it's like everybody wants to know what the response is to it and has it blown up and all that you know that's obviously the the currency that we're dealing in for you what are you looking for Ben? because it's possible that your album might not hit somebody until like a year or mm. two years or whenever right. how do you process the response to an album based on that you know you're, you're you're not looking for that quick that quick hit are you yeah no and and honestly um i'm really really awful at at um kind of engaging social media and being aware of things i'm just not aware of what's happening with my own stuff and i i i for the most part don't really want to be it was funny because after the nobody speak video came out um about three or four weeks later, I bumped into, well, I was with Run the Jewels at Coachella and uh, was we were getting ready to do something together and I hadn't seen L or talked to him. And he just came up and he's like, yo, that shit blew the fuck up. <laughs> and he was genuinely like, yo, that shit blew yeah. the fuck up. And I, I, I remember just kind of going, oh, really? Wow, okay, great. <laughs> like, I had no idea. Really? Yeah, That's great. No. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. I am sick. I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip. I'm going to send you to the yard. Get a stick, make a switch. I can end the conversation real quick. I am crack. I ain't lying. Kick a lion in his crack. I'm the shit. I will fall off in your crib. Take a shit. Hit your mama on the booty. Kick your dog. Fuck your bitch. Fat boy dressed up like you sound on Antwerp. I 
always tell people around me, like, don't tell me this shit, really. Right. Because there's nothing I can do about it. I've already done any, <laughs> like, yeah. any, th- any influence I had over the situation ended the moment it was turned in. Right. And I'm not a, like, I'm not the type of person who can bank on their looks or, like, you know, their wit or go on chat shows and stuff like that and sort of add extra heat or I'm not going to have some row and trash the hotel room. Yeah. I don't do any of that. So <laughs> there's nothing I can do to influence what happens. Once it's out there, it's up to other forces and luck and everything else. And so you just sort of let it be how it how it is, basically. and sort of. You but but a... also knowing that it's a long burn. Right, right It's right. a slow burn. Have you always been like that since you started out? Or is this an, like an age thing as well, that sort of confidence where you're not? Well, I don't know if it's confidence as much as it is just kind of um, because, you know, I've had plenty of failure as mm. well, you know. And <clears throat> when you're, when people are kind of... How, what, what, when you say failure, what do you mean? I mean, how do you, what are you talking just about? Just stuff that didn't connect. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Or I've had so many things that I thought, like, this is a surefire, like, this is going to blow up. There's right. no way it cannot blow up. Yeah. And it goes nowhere. Or things that I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll turn this in. And then six months later, it comes out and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> it, oh people like it. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I mean, it can just drive you mad if mm. you try to compare yourself to others or what they're getting that you didn't get or, you know, mm. some love that you thought you should have gotten. It's, it's just too... Um, incestuous it just spins around in your mm. head and then you run the risk i guess of trying to emulate what you've done before which is a which is a tricky thing isn't it to sort of uh, be handcuffed to like some success you've had in the past and you think right i need to replicate that hit somehow whatever. sure i mean i think uh being such a fan of music and a student of music from all eras and all genres when people are able to do that it's quite phenomenal yeah but generally speaking i mean i was just for some reason thinking of the Isley Brothers and if you listen look and listen to all their hits through the years and I mean they had hits in the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s they were always just stepping on uh, like you know who's that lady sounds nothing like it's your thing right. you know what I mean but yet it's like five years later and they're on to something completely different oh and you know this may be a detour but this is also another thing I never understood before which is so what's what's a group that you really like? Uh, like Wu Tang, for example. Okay. So did you get into them on the first album? Yeah. Okay. So for you, I would imagine. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, for me, it would be let's take Cypress Hill. Yeah. First time you ter- heard Wu Tang, the first time I heard Cypress Hill was on their their debuts. Yeah. And you kind of go, "Wow, this is you know, this is it. This is all I ever wanted." Now. On a certain level, it doesn't matter what they do next. Yeah. It's going to be, there's, it's going to just be different. It's a different feeling, and there's a part of both of us that wants that same feeling. Yeah. But no matter what they do, they're fucked a bit because you know, if they follow their muse and do something completely different, there's going to be people that are like, yeah, but this isn't the same. And it took me a while to just realize that I'm the same as all those fans that griped when I moved on from introducing. Right. There's a part of them and there's a part of me and a part of you that wants, it's almost like a drug. You just want that same high. Yes. Mm. And when you can't attain the same high, you kind of feel like they did something wrong. So Yeah, mm. it's such a good way to look. Because even actually, I mean, Start Brazil is such a great example because Black Sunday was so different from their first album. And then I remember thinking that because because Black Sunday blew up, didn't it? And then I remember everyone going, "Fucking yeah, Cypress Hill, Black Sunday." And I was like, mm, "You won't get enough." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But that's not that's because exactly as you said. But you don't think about that as a fan, do you? you just think no. As a fan, you're just kind of like, "Oh, come on." Yeah. Like, how come you don't know what I want? How come you can't hear my voice? Yeah, I want the exact degree of variation that I'm comfortable with exactly. from what you did last time. It's so I want difficult. Seven percent. <laughs> sort of you know expansion on the original concept go too far and i'm gonna so i don't know i think after a while once you kind of get over the the ego bruise of like oh i don't get it i thought i thought everything i did people were gonna love yeah and you start thinking about how you relate to groups you like and you relate to their music in a way it's a good sort of gut check as an artist because it kind of makes you go oh i get it now yeah 
But and that's the other thing, isn't it? Because like in your head, you know, I mean, like I'm a comic, so it's but it's the same sort of thing where you you, you want your trajectory of what you're doing with like with my stand up shows. I want it to be just upwards, upwards, upwards. And like if somebody like I'm just starting a new tour now, and some people would definitely prefer the show that I took out last time than the one I'm doing now. But in my heart, I feel this one's better. Right. But like. But it still guts you. If somebody tweeted me saying or messaged me saying, "Oh man, do I don't bit. think, yeah, or can you do that, that old bit?" Or, yeah, it'd just be fucking. It's, it's horrible. But at the same time, you sort of go, "This is exactly what you're talking about." It's expectations versus like you, you moving on, sort of thing. You know? Yeah, uh, and it's it, it seems like it should be so easy for <laughs> us to not, you know, take it to heart. Yeah, but it's really difficult. I find it difficult. I find it difficult as well. It's it's it's. It's, I think it's because you put so much of yourself into what you're doing, and then it, basically what somebody's saying is, "I think you are shit. turned into you." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, actually, you know the, the the comments that have always affected me the most is when not only are they trying to slag you off, but what they're saying actually makes no sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's when I just go, "God damn it, you're fucking stupid," yeah, yeah. and you don't like my shit. <laughs> you know, and. Yeah, I mean that's the one that really where or they'll reference something that isn't even mine. Yeah, and go like you were much better when you did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, <laughs> well, that's triply con- confusing and concerning. Yeah, you know what I mean, so do you engage with that? On, no, yeah. I, I think uh, no. I mean, as a sort of um, kind of way to shut off my brain, I follow a bit of sports, mm. right. and um, if you've ever followed a bit of sports, you know that. Sports people take all those bullets so that we don't have to. Yeah. yeah. They fuck up on Twitter mm. on the regular. Mm. They, you know, sort of try to, you know, defend themselves. And, and get, I mean, mm. Kevin Durant was on the Warriors. Like, yeah. he's the prime example. He just can't seem to resist being drawn <laughs> into the dark yeah. pit. And yeah. so, as, a, as an artist, I just, or as a musician, you just kind of sit back and go, okay, don't do that. Mm. Noted. Yeah, so I have. I haven't. I don't think I've ever really gotten into much. Yeah, I have made the mistake of engaging, but I think the truth is, it's somebody a mate of mine said to me. He said, "Tell me a time that you've done that and you felt better afterwards." And I couldn't. You used to never do. Do you know what I mean? Kill him so, with kindness. I think that's the way to do it. That's what some people mm. do, isn't it? Yeah. They sort of go, "Thanks so much for your feedback." Yeah, but then I just feel like a, <laughs> that's I, not real. I, yeah, yeah, I just honestly, if <laughs> if you, you said somebody walks up and punches you in the gut and you turn around and go, "Thank you, I needed that." That's just <laughs> an idiot. It works. <laughs> So what sort of stuff are you listening to now at the moment then, yourself? Or do you not when you've got an album coming out? You know, yeah, no, it's it's funny because, again, you know, I, I my deepest fear is that somebody's going to go, you know, rattle off your five favorite songs that came off, out this month because I've just come through. For me, when I'm not working on an album, that's my time to really listen go out there stuff. and listen and kind of study and go, okay, yeah. When I'm working on an album... I generally tend to listen to stuff from other eras. Right, right, right. Because, and you can call it sort of soft-minded, you can call it whatever you want, but for me, it's just kind of like, I don't, I know what I want to do. I don't want to get distracted or start following, you know, subconsciously kind of cribbing from someone Mm, that's Mm. just come out. Um, So I'm going to sort of freeze everything for a moment you know, listen to a bit of this, listen to a bit of that. But um, yeah, no. And and honestly, since I turned in the album, it's I went through about two months where I just didn't really want to listen to music at all. At all, yeah. Because I was listening to it 10 hours a day, you know, <laughs> right, my yeah. own stuff and other people's stuff. And as I turned my attention to the artwork and the admin and clearing samples and doing this and doing that um, and getting ready to come out here, yeah, it's. I, I haven't really been in the mood lately. I can imagine, yeah. Um, and sample clearance has that become more and more of a ball like? It's the it's it's um hmm. It's just I don't know what to say about it. It's a necessary evil, yeah. and I feel like I'm sympathetic to all sides. Um, I've reissued a lot of music. Um, and talk to a lot of old timers that, you know, they genuinely are upset when they get sampled and they don't get paid and they right. feel like, well, what the fuck is happening? You know, 
I do think that big samples should be cleared, but you know, the problem as always is this sort of uber capitalist approach to law where it's like, take it all. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, guys, you can't take it all. Like Mm. we need to work together here. We need to try to find a common ground. Otherwise you're going to make it so that this can't come out and we all lose. Yeah. So as long as you can try to talk to people, understand their side, understand that they are trying to advocate for their client or it's an artist trying to advocate for themselves and you're trying to advocate for yourself. Generally speaking, you can find a middle ground, but, um, you know, if you have 10 samples in a song and everybody wants 50%, that's not going to work. No. So inevitably there's going to be things that don't get cleared and, or you can't find the people even in this modern age. And you just have to hope and pray that when they do come to call that they're reasonable. Do they take into account the fact that sometimes there are samples where that sample forms a spine of a song and there's other samples where you've done so much to it that actually it's one of a multi you know do you know what I mean? They you know, well, as in they wouldn't notice it. Well, not even that they wouldn't notice, but like, you know, sometimes yeah. we know that there's a sample that just mm. is the song. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas there are other samples where it's mm. it's in it's one know, of so, four that exactly. comprises so, a new whole. Yeah, and yeah. so much has been done to that yeah. that it's, you know, it's a completely different thing. Do, do people take into that into account or is it You know, that you certainly can argue it. And one of the things that I try to do with my team is I try to help people understand that do come to call that like, look, we will work with you. If this is a legitimate sort of like, if you're coming at it from a genuine place, then we will work with you. But if this is just some, ah, we caught you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to take you to the cleaners. Then (laughs) I'm like, we will fight you forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so how do you want to play it is basically, Mm. you know, the kind of what you have to do because they need to understand that you're not going to be pushed around too. Yeah. Listen, we're we're about out of time, but it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, to talk to you, man. So, yeah. um, are you are you doing live shows as well as the album, or are you doing? Is it promo you're doing over here? At the moment, uh, promo, but we're talking about February. Okay, great. Kicking off in February. Do back out. Okay, great. Well, we look forward to that. And the album Our Pathetic Age is out in November. Yeah. Um, it's great. We both listened to it. It's given you got your you were raving about it last. Yeah, time, I was loving it. it. Yeah. And he doesn't often show enthusiasm, no. so. Nice me showing enthusiasm there. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.